From national news in D.C. to behind-the-scenes coverage of the Nebraska Capitol, this is your Capitol Connection. And now, bringing the Capitol to you, here's your host, Nate Graz. Casino gambling on the ballot in Nebraska. Voters are once again being asked to legalize casinos statewide. But what would these ballot initiatives actually do? Will casinos really keep the money in Nebraska? How will this impact our state? And what's the true cost of casino gambling? We'll answer these questions and why voters should vote against gambling initiatives 429, 430, and 431 on this week's Capital Connection. As always, we are broadcasting from the Nebraska Family Alliance Studio in Lincoln. And on today's show, we want to help explain an issue that voters are being asked to approve that stands to dramatically change the culture and direction of our state. Casino gambling is an issue that for a lot of people, they may not have an opinion uh, about it one way or another, or they simply just believe that if you don't like it, then just don't go. But this is something that we have to care about. And especially for people of faith, this is an issue that gets to the core of how we treat one another, how we love our neighbors, and whether or not we will stand up to protect families, businesses, and the poor and vulnerable. So on today's program, we're not just going to talk about uh, what these initiatives might do. We're going to give real, firsthand experience and insight into the issue of casino gambling and its true cost. I'm pleased to have a special guest with me today, Janice Brown, to talk about this. Janice and her husband, Monty, have always lived in Nebraska, growing up in Holt County and eventually moving to the Lincoln and Omaha area for college and subsequent work. In 2012, they learned of embezzlement from their company, Colombo Candy, and over the course of a year-long investigation, learned that their controller had embezzled over 42 million dollars from their company in order to gamble at casinos. That investigation was an excruciating exercise. And after fighting to keep what was a very successful company open for a year and a half, they eventually had to close the company and in 2014 filed bankruptcy. The employee who embezzled was sentenced to prison and most of the funds were unrecoverable. Janice, understandably, this is what led you to become an advocate against gambling. Can you elaborate on how important this issue is to you? Hi, Nate, and thank you for having me. Um, yes, we've been investigating. We had been investigating this um, in the prior months leading up to the knowledge of the embezzlement and then hired a forensic accountant to look at our books. You can imagine the surprise and the shock that we were in hearing of the initial news. We did not know at that time that the monetary loss um, was that large of a sum. Those details trickled in in that year-long investigation, and it was gut-wrenching and very difficult. I cannot describe to you how difficult that time period was while at the same time our company's employees were trying to continue business as usual. There are not really words to um, express that. As to why I'm vocalizing my support against the legalization of gambling in Nebraska, the answer really is simple. I don't want anyone else to have to go through this, right? But there are other reasons. And I'm going to paraphrase, paraphrase um, a quote from St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. She had asked her sisters to train the eyes of their soul um, to see the presence of Christ in the homeless, the addicted and the abandoned. 
I'll repeat that, you know, for your listeners again. She had asked her sisters to train the eyes of their soul to see the presence of Christ in the homeless, the addicted, and the abandoned. I can tell you my eyes have been trained through this process. Um, When this first, first happened to us, we lost everything from our cars, our house, our savings, you name it, our whole life's work. My faith helped me to know um, where to go with this, actually. But I can't explain to you how scared I was or how the person I usually relied on was going through the same thing. And I couldn't go there for his support. I prayed a lot, and God did not disappoint me. I decided that I could survive with losing things, you know, our cars and our house, that kind of thing. But we quickly went into the what's next mode and went back to work. You know, we didn't know what else to do. And um, so one of the first things we did was um, to volunteer at a homeless shelter. I don't quite know to this day why. I guess God just led us there. But it seemed to be the thing to do. And so I seriously could have been homeless myself. And um, it seemed to give me the support that I needed at that time. Um, It helped me to process and cope, I think, and um, start the healing process. But that process... Um, of volunteering for people at a homeless shelter um, was huge to me. Their extreme gratitude when they came through the line as I was serving them a meal, I can still remember how that first gentleman said to me, thank you, ma'am. Thank you so much. And how that felt to me. I had fought back tears while I stood there serving them a meal. Not for them or not for myself, but for them. I was so humbled because I knew that it could easily have been me on the other side receiving that meal. That gave me my uh, a way more than I was. They were giving me more than I was giving them at that time. The ability of my soul to see Christ in theirs, in their eyes. It was an amazing gift to me and it helped me after that period of time. Well, Junius, I, I, I can't even imagine what that what that time period had to have been like for you and your family. Uh, you are, you know, you were, you were victims. You were uh, directly impacted by this, even though you weren't the one gambling. Uh, but, but I, I love and appreciate so much that, that quote uh, from mother Teresa uh, that, that you shared. It's so important and so powerful. Uh, and going off of that, what you were just sharing, Janice, do you, do you know the, uh, the, the percentage of, of residents at, homeless shelters that are connected to gambling? The Open Door Mission in Omaha says that 36% of their residents have had an addiction to gambling in their history. Prior to casinos opening in Council Bluffs, it was 9%. So that's huge. That's a huge difference. Um, but the, um, the need for help um, at the Open Door Mission changed. And do you know to this day that casinos continue to offer the homeless residents their free meals at the casino? So they are inviting addicts over to the casino for a free meal. That poll that that casino has on those addicted people to gambling is, that, I mean, that's that's just amazing to me. Well, it, it's it's heartbreaking. It's it's heartbreaking to to hear about that, uh, and and I think it's something that that people really need to understand that uh, th- this affects uh, the the entire state, whether you think that uh, you'll actually be the one doing the gambling or not. And the people who stand to lose the most are those who can least afford it. Is that right? 
Absolutely, that's right. I, you know, so when you ask me, um, why am I an advocate at this point in my life? I, I had to ask myself, what kind of a Christian would I be after having seen it with my own eyes, um, not to advocate for the injustice of the predatory nature that legalizing gambling across our nation is doing? This is not something that I went looking for necessarily, but I do remember um, one time in a prayer while I was singing um, a song at a retreat. Um, the song was, Here I Am, Lord. And, um, and the lyrics to that are, is it I, Lord? I had heard you calling in the night, and I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. I, I singing that song, um, what can I do? I had, you know, if it's not me, then who? I had to go where the Lord was asking me. This is really not um, something that I, I chose to pick up as a cause. Um, I would rather have picked up, you know, I certainly was willing to go where the Lord was leading me, but I was thinking um, volunteering somewhere or starting a Bible study or um, writing a book. I love to write. So I was thinking writing a book. I was not thinking I was going to be choosing gambling addiction as a cause of mine. You know, for people who've never really thought deeply about this issue, it's kind of something that is is just there, right? We have it in some surrounding states. And one of the most common arguments that we hear is, if you don't like it, then just don't go, right? No, no one's forcing you to go. So let the people who want to go gamble, let them do it. And if you don't like it, then you don't have to go. What do you say to them? Nate, if they knew the true effects of, uh, on communities and the real effect on the economy, if they did the hard research and they um, or read the research that's already been done by economists, all they have to do is rely on the experts. They would not think that way. If they care at all about their neighbor, like you talked earlier in the show, um, they they wouldn't even consider um, making it easier. Um, you don't have to be a gambler to be affected by the legalization of gambling in a negative way. If these ballot initiatives are passed, and many of your listeners, they will be affected if it's passed in the future. They just don't know it yet. Um, they might not be connect the dots, you know, um, when they're affected. It will come in the form of higher taxes, social costs, homelessness, fraud on businesses, which causes their costs all to go up. It goes on and on, and I will show you in our situation how that could happen. If you know the person addicted personally, um, it's easily to see the negative effects, and many families are dealing with that. But there are negative effects that may not be as obvious um, that are connected to gambling. You have to follow the money, so to speak. Um, as they say, connecting the dots is not an easy, um, connecting the dots is not as easy in the indirect consequences to gambling. And so society tends to look down on the gambling addict in a judgmental way, putting 100% of the responsibility on the addict. And they do have some responsibility, obviously, but in reality, our society is setting vulnerable people up to fail when they legalize all forms of gambling in every community. Communities incur $3 in social cost to every $1 um, benefit. And, um, and that's, that research has been done. Well, Janice, you, you've touched on how this affects communities and using your family's business and your experience as an example, how do you think this will affect Nebraska communities and businesses should the voters pass these initiatives? Why should they vote no on 429, 430, and 431? 
Well, there's no doubt, Nate, it, it will affect our communities in a negative way in many areas, not just monetarily. I can use our company as an example. Imagine this true story being replicated over and over again, because this is the goal of the casino or they don't survive. And this is what they want to bring to Nebraska. The more casinos you have, the more opportunities there will be for my situation to happen. Here's the facts of one business, one gambler that became addicted and she was groomed and one casino. Fact one that I have is unbeknownst to us, and this is your first reason to vote no, as the person in our situation had embezzled over from over two companies prior to ours. Why did these people not prosecute? I don't know. Your answer is as good as mine because of the stigma, the pressure to make it go away, the embarrassment for family members, the addict herself, other parties involved. I don't I you know, I really don't know the businesses um, that were affected. Maybe they wanted it to go away. Um, I really don't know that answer. But if if they had and if she had been prosecuted at that time, I probably wouldn't be in this situation. Um, because the casinos knew everything about her, where she lived, what she made, her car, her lifestyle. They took full advantage of her and exploited her addiction, which means they legally but fraudulently conveyed funds from our company. Uh, and I probably just coined a new phrase there, but legally but fraudulently conveyed funds. That mean, That's a kind of an oxymoron. But what it means is, is um, it was legal for them to do what they did, but it was a fraud perpetrated on my family. Why they knew everything about her and that she didn't have those large sums of money to gamble. So it was coming from somewhere, right? They just turned a blind eye to where the money was coming from. They got funds from her. Um, they took all of her, her savings first. Um, and then they knew that she didn't have the wherewithal to continue her addiction. I have fact three and the third reason to vote no, costs of incarceration. She is incarcerated at this time, and I would guess um, the last time I checked, it was approximately $212,000 per year to incarcerate an individual. Her sentence was 14 to 20 years. Now, she will get credit, I believe, but significant cost to the state to incarcerate her. I have fact four and the fourth reason to vote no, because what happened to businesses um, will be, might not, not might be, but will be. Um, replicated over and over again across the state. So in regard to your question about taxes, I'm going to draw you a picture. And here are some basic facts about our company at the time of embezzlement. Approximate numbers, okay, so, um, but pretty close. So um, our company, Colombo um, Candy, um, had a payroll of $2.1 million. That includes payroll taxes. Um, they had $960,000 in tobacco taxes annually. That's what we paid. We paid $7.6 million in cigarette taxes annually. We paid $12,000 annually in sales tax and paid $3,500 in litter taxes. On top of that, there were licenses and fees for other things paid. Um, a few years prior to the embezzlement, the company employed um, 76 employees. In an effort to streamline, um, they had reduced that um, to 43 employees, approximately close to that number at the time um, the embezzlement started. That timeline of the embezzlement affected the cash flow over that two-year period of time. And so um, there were people we had to lay off employees um, because of that, eventually closing the business and then followed the bankruptcy. 
the company contributed to the local economy as well as taxes in way more way more ways than I can probably identify. Um, but I have a few here for you to consider and for your listeners to consider. I'm trying to paint a picture for your listeners here of what the actual costs of casinos are. So the company maintained a fleet of 12 vehicles, trucks, sales, um, all were bought at lo local dealerships and all were serviced at local small businesses, contributing to the local economy. Those vehicles had to be replaced on a regular basis as many miles were put on them, um, repairs, et cetera, that all of those um, expenses were spent at local businesses contributing really to the economy. And then you consider all the gas that went into all those vehicles and they were on the road constantly every day. Um, though that gas was bought at local businesses, the licensings for those vehicles and taxes were paid state of Nebraska. The company spent an annual annually approximately 50 million with their vendors and suppliers contributing to the economy, both locally, regionally, and nationally. Um, but that's really not all, Nate. Um, once a small business is closed, that allows bigger companies to raise their prices because there's no competitive market in the area. So the small businesses that we supplied all around the Omaha Lincoln, actually 50 mile radius in Nebraska, um, all of those, um, their costs went up um, because um, we supplied those businesses um, in smaller quantities and delivered to their door. Um, we were able to be successful because of that, um, that we were, we kept their prices as low as possible. But when they put this business out, um, you know, it went out of business. That means that the bigger companies can force them to buy in bulk. So Nate, we're not done yet. This company contributed greatly to charities um, with either in-kind donations, food, candy, monetary donations. And I can, I have a whole list and this is just a few that we donated to. We donated to the YMCA, the Boys and Girls Club of Omaha, the Lydia House, the Open Door Mission, the Low Income Ministry, Boy Scouts, Firemen and Police Candy Parade, um, school, both public and private schools, um, sports clubs, and people in need of donations for funeral dinners. I mean, um, if they had a need for uh, paper products for a big funeral or um, even a small funeral, we donated. Um, so this company tried to the, uh, you know, it was very integrated in its community, and it was very supportive of its community. Um, small businesses are the backbone of donations to these charities in, in your communities. And so one business, one gambler, one casino, we fought a good fight, Nate, um, to keep this all going. But all of this came to a stop when we filed bankruptcy. Janice, these are just huge costs and, and, and consequences is, you know, if that's not enough of a reason to oppose these three gambling initiatives on the ballot, I, I'm not sure what is. But are there other areas that our listeners should consider when voting? I can say it's easy. It is easy and lazy and opportunistic um, to say a portion of the funds from gambling will go to schools and property tax relief. First of all, not enough to make a dent in all the social issues that it will cost. Schools have enough to deal with without giving them the added issues that will come to school because more issues have arisen at home. It's real to say that there is increased family violence where gambling exists. It's real to say 
that there are more assaults where gambling exists. It's real to say crime goes up where gambling exists. And it's real to say there are more families thrown into financial hardships where gambling exists. It's not making the, I'm not making these statistics up. Um, you just have to look at what the experts have already done. So I wanted to close, um, I, there's a quote um, from Jim Caviezel, the actor in the Mel Gibson movie, um, Passion of the Christ. In an interview, he said, and this is a quote, history tells us the greater risk lies in appeasement. A policy of accommodation is appeasement. For instance, um, let's just legalize it in Nebraska because it's legal all around us. That's a policy of, of accommodation and is appeasement. Jim tells us if we continue to accommodate and continue to back and retreat, eventually we will have to face the demand and what then? Um, to paraphrase him, Satan, Satan gets involved. Eventually, our passive behavior will mean our surrender. And it will be voluntary because we will have been so weakened spiritually, morally, and, economy, and economically. Nate, this is not my cup of tea to be here um, being recorded by you, I'm sorry, <laughs> um, to be here talking with you on this subject. Um, but according to Jim Caviezel, we need to have the courage to tell others there is a price we will not pay. This is a point beyond which evil must not advance. I'm not doing this for me or for my family. Um, they'd probably prefer that this just go away. I'm doing this for our community, for our children and our children's children, for other businesses that may be taken advantage of, and especially for the souls that my eyes have come to see Christ in, the abandoned, the homeless, and the addicted in our community. I'm really doing this for them. I wanted to leave you with a quote um, from Ronald Reagan. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. If we fail, at least let our children and our children's children say of us, we justified our brief moment here. We did all that could be done. And so I wanted to make sure that I'm doing all that I can do because I want my children to know. Well, Janice, I, I know that they know, and I am so grateful for uh, everything that, that you have done uh, to, to help uh to help defend our, our state and the families and businesses here. Thank you for sharing your stories with us. Thank you for helping educate people uh, on the facts and, and truths about casino gambling. And thank you for being with us on the show today to encourage people to vote against 429, 430, and 431. Nate, I just had one last thing I wanted to share with you. Um, I was so grateful after the embezzlement that the one thing that hadn't been taken from me was my family. And I can tell you, I didn't know then the emotional turmoil that I still have to go through. And my family is still going through. Um, but I thank God ahead of time. And Steve Angrisano has, a, has um, a song out there. And you can tell already by this interview that I relate to uh, music lyrics. But this one is, is um, pretty touching to me. Um, and I use it to do for strength. Um, and the lyrics are falling down on our knees seeking an answer please let us thank god let us thank god ahead of time not knowing where the road takes us and trust we know 
So let us thank God. Let us thank God ahead of time. Struggle on, struggle on, take faith, and let us thank God ahead of time. When all that we hoped, we would, um, then all that we hoped would be seems lost in the raging sea. Let us thank God ahead of time. I really have, I really have um, hung on to this song, especially that last part of that lyrics. When all that we hoped would be seems lost in the raging sea. Um, and there's many moments where I've had where I felt like it was lost in the raging sea. Everything that I had hoped for. But I do thank God ahead of time because I know that he's going, he's going to be there through this process and through this balloting initiative. And, he, and, and he's going to see us through this. So thank you. Thank you, Nate, for taking the time to talk with me. Well, thank you again, Janice. It, it, it's, time to stay, it's time to take a stand uh, on this issue. And if you want more information uh, and the facts about casino gambling and initiatives 429, 430, and 431, and why you should vote no, visit NebraskaFamilyAlliance.org. That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening to your Capital Connection. <laughs>